It's about people. The church is the people. Jesus died for people. And you don't need a building or the people of God don't have to own a facility to do the work of the Lord. We have seen that we can build the kingdom without a building. But I do thank God for this new season where we don't have to be distracted anymore with we got to leave the premises, um, someone else is coming in, and all of that stuff that we just have never been able to experience as a church to have our own structural roots in a community, to be a lighthouse, a strong tower that is visible, that is present for people, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week for God's people. And so I was sharing with Dr. Evans that I feel like I'm starting over again. Um, it's a new season, a new harvest field, new opportunities. Um, this is a stewardship. This is a trust that God has given to us. And I believe that he gave it to us because he can trust us with it, that we're going to use it uh, not just for upreach, not just for inreach, but from this place, there will be great outreach into the community. And so for those who may be here with us for the first time tonight, uh, we just kind of want to walk you through where we've been. Um, so when we're singing about God, great God, you may understand our tears and our joy and our hope um, for how God provides. And so we didn't practice this. You know, we, 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 we said one thing we didn't want to do is get up here, you know, but uh, this morning I talked about the many locations that we've been at um, for our offices. Do you, you guys have that slide? Um, Fourth Avenue and West Main Street and Ralston Lane and Noah Drive, the factory and the White House. So uh, before President Obama was the black man in the White House, I was up in the White House chilling. Midweek, man, uh, Eagle's Nest Academy before it burned down. Thank God for New Hope Academy. Again, using what God gave them to serve the community. Uh, Franklin High School was good to us. Natchez Street, the factory, the People's Church, uh, the Grove, and then worshiping on Sundays, 10 years at the Franklin YMCA. Some of y'all got baptized in that pool at the Franklin YMCA. Yes. Put my hand up. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Brian. Let's give it up for the sound ministry. Praise the Lord for all. Amen. And then uh, the People's Church for two years meeting at 3 o'clock. You know, we said that good things happen at 3 o'clock, and we hung in there during that time. Some of y'all loved that time so much you didn't even want to go back to the morning. Uh, but we had to go back to the morning and uh, went to the Cool Springs Y where we embarked upon doing two services, if you recall. And uh, that was also a good season for us. Uh, but that's how it was for 18 years because now our offices are in one place, midweek service is in one place, and worship is in one place. My God. Well, baby, you got something you want to say before I talk about how we got here? I'm doing all right? Doing all right. Amen. Well, we got here 
to this place because in June we were notified about mold at the Cool Springs Y. So we had to leave there and get out. We were given just a couple of weeks to find a place for at least 90 days. And so uh, mold uh, had us looking throughout the city of Franklin. We looked at 16 different locations. Uh, Brian and myself going to places. I remember the one place we went to over by the mall. Um, it, it was next to uh, some big store. I'm doing it again. All right. And uh, I remember we went in. There were three dead birds as we walked in. We were like, I don't know if this is the place, you know. <laughs> but we looked and looked. And some of the places, y'all, we were like, if we tried to bring y'all up in some of these places, y'all would think we lost our mind. And so we said, we're not even going to tell them about some of these spots we looked at. And um, one of the Sundays after we had prayed, uh, Scott Hamilton, who is over right now in Russia, finishing up with the Olympics. Uh, Lord willing, he'll get back this week. He told us about this property, the Otter Creek Church, um, that had been vacant for a while. A church was in here, and they had just finished their last Sunday. And, uh, and it worked in time for us because their last Sunday would then become our first Sunday in here once we had to get out of the YMCA because of the mold. Uh, but just to back up a little bit, we didn't want to come look at this place. Because number one, it wasn't in Franklin, and that's what we had been used to and felt called to. But God, um, as I came here and we looked at this place, I was like, not only is this the last option on the floor, it's become the best option on the floor. And it fit our church perfectly as far as our size. And so um, God reminded me that he called me to build his kingdom not so much to build the church or to build the city of Franklin. We love the city of Franklin. We'll continue to build it. But he's expanding, as our vision says, to experience and to expand God's diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world, whether it's the city of Franklin, the city of Forest Hills. We're going to build God's kingdom. And so we came here and we started renting on August 25th, 2013. And we spent over $75,000 in renovations. And we did that by faith because we didn't know if we would actually own this place. But it was so tore down in here that we had to fix it up. Because, again, I know y'all, and, and we need to do it right. No, no, we want to have a spirit of excellence uh, for the kingdom, especially for our children. We didn't want them crawling on dirty floors, dirty carpets. So we painted the walls, put new carpet down, uh, put... Uh, floor down for dance room so our dancers that you saw tonight they can rehearse upstairs with mirrors god just really took care of things and i can't even talk about pastor daryl's office that he has upstairs i mean have y'all seen his office <laughs> you never want to leave when you go in there so we launched the get this house campaign uh, sometime in october to raise late october to raise upwards of four hundred thousand dollars so that we could have the down payment on this place. And uh, by December 31st, we had raised over 360,000 of that 400,000. So God was so faithful to us. And once we saw that the Lord brought the money in, the elders submitted a contract to purchase the property. And uh, here to say, as you know, we closed on February 18th, this past Tuesday, and we got this house. Amen. Amen. 
So we've got work to do, but tonight we celebrate and we thank God for his greatness. Uh, he is our provider and he not only provides everything we need for life and godliness, but he also knows how to provide the speaker that we need uh, to take us on in. But baby, you ask, you want the mic? Here it is. I was reading this morning in Psalm 84, and the psalmist um, said that he would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And um, I'm making emotional, but um, I look around and I see so many doorkeepers. I see people who have done things that most of you in here will not know, um, who want no recognition. And I won't start names because I don't want to to you know, forget anyone, but um, there are so many servants in this house. Um, for those of you who are visiting for the first time or those of you who are new to the body, um, this is an adaptable body. That's not all. I'm, I'm churched. I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in church since I was in my mother's womb. So church people are not always adaptable. We like things a certain way, and our generation is Burger King. We think everything is have it your way. And if there's one thing that Strong Tire is, is we are an adaptable community. And, you know, to think of the first Sunday that we came, we finished Cool Springs wide, two services, loaded up. People were joyful, heading down here, loading in. And, and my mind just flashes back over the 18 years and think of people on the ladders at the factory and, and doing so many things to allow an atmosphere of worship and comfort for our children and, and so many things. And so I want to commend the body. I want to commend my family, my brothers and my sisters, for being um, adaptable, for being faithful, for being supportive. Um, and then I was also thinking today about... Um, you know, the, the background scene and, and knowing the, the weight that you felt as the YMCA communicated mold. And, and that's a heavy, you know, we have four children. So as with anyone else, we, we want safety for our children and for our congregation. And I know your ideal was to find a place, a good leader is going to tell his people, there's mold and, and we a place has been found, and here's where we're going. And that two-week period between the why communicating and you standing before the church and how weighty it was to not have found the place. How do you tell your people, we have to leave, kind of like Abraham, we don't know where we're going. <laughs> we don't like that. That's good for Abraham and scripture, but we, we want to know where we're going. We got a body of people. Where are we going to meet, Pastor? And so, you know, as the, the person, the human who knows the background scene and lives with you, I want to commend our shepherd who has followed God and led us as he's been led. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory, to God be the glory. And, uh, you know, as a wife, thank you to especially those brothers who, whose texts were on time. Just, Pastor, God's got it. Keep looking to him. You do what God has called you to do. We're with you. We're following the Lord. And, uh, and here we are. What a day of celebration Christy called us to this morning. Not to be here to be entertained, but to celebrate 
this is God's work. God did this. He led us. And, and we are all a part of it. From those who gave, those who served, people from all over the country who communicated, we are excited for you. We are praying for you all. The body of Christ is just beautiful. And, uh, and so I wanted to commend you, my family, and I wanted to commend you as, as my husband and as the shepherd for, for being faithful. Amen. I've been blessed with many men in my life um, who have spoken into my life and encouraged me. But there are four men in particular, older men, who have spoken into my life. Number one, my father, Harold Williamson Sr., uh, who was with Jesus. I um, saw a man of God up close. Uh, then secondly, my father-in-law, Dr. Alan McFarland, who is my pastor. Um, he made godliness attractive. He showed me that you can be a pastor and still be who you are. You don't have to be something or someone else. Then thirdly, um, y'all know him as uh, Coach Sherman, Sherman Smith, uh, Big Sherm, uh, that man, uh, probably my closest earthly friend. And then finally, um, Dr. Tony Evans has been a man that has spoken into my life. And I would not be where I am or doing what I'm doing for the Lord without these men, and in particular, Dr. Evans today. I have 53 books of his uh, on my bookshelf at home. And uh, he keeps writing them, so, and I keep buying them, and I keep reading them. Uh, our men's ministry has gone through Kingdom Man. It's not too late, and now we're in the Kingdom Agenda. All this has happened in the last six months or so that we've gone through his DVD series. Um, I first heard Dr. Evans when I was a teenager in Baltimore. We're both from Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, my grandmother lived on the same street that his mother lives on, on Poplar Grove. And so our people knew one another. And he would always come back to Baltimore and preach. And Baltimore would feel so proud when he would come back and share the word because he was this big preacher out in Dallas and God's hand was on him. Uh, but I was probably 14 years old. I didn't know the Lord. And my parents would buy all of these tapes from when he, tapes, some of y'all don't even know about that, from when he would speak. And uh, one day I put one in as a teenager, and I would listen to it over and over again. And he was pe preaching from Second Peter about the return of the Lord. And uh, he went back to the days of Noah and broke that down. And I remember listening and being blessed, and I could understand him. And uh, it had the meat. It had the gravy on it. And as a young boy, I was like, this is cool. And I remember, I still, I could probably preach that sermon right now, but I won't. But man, I, that's how I first started hearing him. And I was introduced to something I didn't know at the time, but it was expository preaching. And so when Dr. Evans would come to Liberty University, where we went to school and where Daryl went to school and others went to school. Um, he would come and he would speak. Dr. Falwell would have him come in. And so for us, it would be like a delight to see African-Americans come in and share because you didn't see that happen much. So when they came, we were front row as the small minority populace at Liberty. And uh, I remember when you came and you preached on John chapter 4, 
and you talked about how many times we reduce evangelism just to trying to reach someone's soul. We take their soul out, give it the four spiritual laws, get it saved, put the soul back in the person, just leave the person and go on. And uh, so he touched on things when he was there that dealt with racial issues and socioeconomic issues. And I'm sitting there saying, this brother is out on some thin ice out here. But he didn't care because he was preaching the word of God. Now, he didn't get invited back for a while, but they ended up bringing him back a little bit later. But I watched him. I watched him. And I learned how to preach watching Dr. Evans. He had a videotape series, videotape series on expository preaching that I went through. I, I didn't take homiletics in college because I didn't want to get messed up. Uh, I didn't want to get messed up. I didn't want to get put in a box. And so I learned how to preach by watching and listening to Dr. Evans. Um, and I remember when Transformation Crusade, our rap group, when we went out to his church and rapped to his youth group, like they had thousands of kids in the youth group. Man, you couldn't tell me and Daryl nothing, man. We were out there. We with Tony Evans, y'all. We, we at Oak Cliff, and we're doing our rap and everything. And he loved us, and uh, he encouraged us. He became a father to us. So I started going to his church development conferences. This is while I was on staff at Christ Community Church. Uh, back in 1993 and 94, I would go to the church development conferences and I would listen and I would learn about the kingdom agenda philosophy that God had given Dr. Evans. And I was introduced to some great speakers, uh, Pastor James Meeks and so many guys from around the country who just brought the word. Uh, it was a diverse conference. I also heard many great Caucasian speakers just blessed to be there. And so we would get private time with Dr. Evans. We would sit down and just ask him some questions. And I remember when I was telling him, I feel this inkling to start a church. Uh, not sure. I feel this desire to start a church. So he looked at me and he said, you can rap and you can preach, but what else can you do? I was like, okay, brother, just tell me how you feel, you know. <laughs> so he was saying, you've got to develop more. You've got to be a leader and not just a speaker. And then he encouraged me to find uh, a man in the community. Since I was on staff at a white church, he encouraged me to find an African-American male in the community, a pastor, come up under his wing that I could learn from. Now, that didn't work, Dr. Evans, because uh, the black brothers didn't want me because I was associated with white folk. Uh, and so the Lord had to teach me some things. Uh, I remember one time I picked you up from the airport. You were coming in town for something. And I picked you up. I was driving your little uh, Nissan Sentra. And I was like, man, I put this brother here. You know, one of the springs was busted in the seat. And you're like, oh, man. But, you know, he didn't care. He, he's a regular dude. He's one of us. And so I felt like I could unload on him. I'd been pastoring for a little while. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning a few things. And I started venting to him about how tough leading some of y'all was at the time. And uh, as only Dr. Evans could say, he looked at me and said, uh, brother, I, I, I sense that you have an anger problem. <laughs> I'm like, man, ain't nobody got no anger problem, man. <laughs> Go on, man. <laughs> in September of last year, Dr. Evans had come in town to preach, and Daryl and Tony and some of us went to go hear him. And I slipped him a letter. We had just started this process. We had just come here. And we're trying to act by faith, but also have wisdom. 
And we're believing God's going to give us this place. And so I asked him, I said, you know, would you be willing to come and dedicate this church? Speak here. Um, we're trying to get it by the end of the year, 2013, whenever your schedule works. So I gave him the letter. I didn't think much of it. Um, but then we had just come out of an elders meeting in October. And we were talking and strategizing about what we were going to do to get this house. And Sylvia called. Your secretary called. And she said, Dr. Evans said he would like to speak for you on February the 23rd. Uh, he's coming into town. And I said, my God. And it was like through that call, the Lord confirmed that we were going to get this house. Because he wasn't going to send one of his choice servants here if we weren't going to get this place. And so we, we, that, that was all. I, I was like, oh, yeah, we, we in. We're going to get this. So when I started asking for assistance around the country, Man, that money, that, that thing was nothing because I knew God's hand. It was like that was the wink, the nod, the encouragement that I needed that my friend, one of my fathers, was coming to speak. So uh, Strong Tower Bible Church, uh, without further ado, would you help me welcome to the Strong Tower Bible Church pulpit, Dr. Tony Evans. Good evening. It is with a great deal of excitement, anticipation, and joy that I join you this evening on this celebrative occasion. I am so excited to see what God has done, even though God has taken you through some ups and downs, some ins and outs. He obviously is not through with you yet. Pastor Chris, to you and your lovely wife, I am so proud of you. I'm proud of your tenacity. You didn't give up when the going got tough. You didn't quit when you didn't know what the next step would be, but you kept going. Because one of the ways that you test the character of a person is not when nothing is wrong, it's when everything is wrong. And do they sustain their faith? Do they sustain their commitment and do they fulfill their responsibilities even though the circumstances surrounding them may not be ideal? And the fact that you stood the test of time these many years through, as our sister said earlier, the wilderness prepares you well for the promised land. And now that God has moved this tabernacle into a temple, he's moved the tent into a permanent dwelling, then you have situated yourself in a way for God to take you to the next spiritual level, you and your spiritual family. And the fact that you would invite me to be part of this, I didn't know you listened to tapes back when you were 14 years old. I don't, that's a new one. I hadn't heard that one before. Uh, but I am so excited, and I want you to know that as long as God has me here, if you need me, I'm one phone call away. So any way I can serve you, I'm glad to do it. I do have a small relationship with uh, 
with Nashville. Um, my son Anthony still has a home in Franklin. My son Jonathan was with the Titans one year, uh, playing under under uh, Sherman Smith, and uh, so we spent a lot of time going back and forth. Of course, many years ago, I had the privilege of ministering at the fa uh, fac factory, I believe it was, and so I am uh, honored and delighted. I hope that you you highly value your pastor and his wife. That you, it is easy to take a faithful couple for granted. But I just want to encourage the leadership and the flock to rally around them, to be the wind beneath their wings so that they never feel alone, that they know they're being prayed for, cared about, supported, sustained, because there are things about the ministry you'll never know. You'll never know unless you're doing it and in it. You'll never know the burdens. You'll never know all of the pressure. You'll never know all of the struggle. You'll just see what happens or your little piece of it that you're involved with. But it can be very weary and very lonely in the shepherding role. You will not always be able to stop them feeling lonely. You can always stop them from being alone because they will have an extended family of brothers and sisters who like Moses when he was getting tired on the, on the mountain with his Aaron and her held his arms up so that he could keep going in the midst of a conflict. So this is a great day. This is an awesome day. It's an it's a, it's a exciting day. I get a lot of invitations to go a lot of places. I have to pick and choose. But when I got the letter, we were able to work out the schedule. I knew that this was one place I wanted to come. It had nothing to do with size or the location of the city. It had everything to do with a great man and a great wife and a great ministry made up of great people. And so thank you. I consider myself honored and privileged to be a part of this evening. So thank you for allowing me to be a part. I've been asked to, at the close of our service today, pray a prayer of dedication. Dedicating this new facility and its purpose before the Lord. And I'm looking forward to doing just that as we close. I thought, however, that I would perhaps lead up to my prayer for you with one of the great prayers in the Bible by the Apostle Paul for another church. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul the Apostle prays for the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus was going through changes. He calls them in verse 13, tribulation. They were going through adjustment periods. They were living in a pagan environment where the temple of Diana ruled. They were under the stress of all the persecution that Paul was going through. And in the midst of all of these changes, Paul prays a prayer. And I want to make his prayer for that church my prayer for this church. 
He says in verse 14 of Ephesians 3, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father. Prayer is earthly permission for heavenly interference. Prayer is giving God the right to interfere in our affairs. Prayer has fallen on bad days these days. It's become a rote, routine thing. But when properly understood and utilized, it is giving God permission. It is giving God an invitation for heaven to invade earth. He says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. In other words, I'm praying to the one who has established our identity. Strong tower, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run into it will be safe. My prayer is that this becomes a safe place for everybody who comes through this door because the name of the Lord is here. God's name is a reference to his nature. When God wanted to disclose something about himself, he would give it a name. When he wanted to show his power, his name would be Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. When he wanted to establish a relationship, he would use the name Jehovah. When God created man, it says that Jehovah, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bible, that's Jehovah. When he wanted to give instruction that he wanted you to obey immediately, he would use the name Adonai. Adonai means supervisor or boss. That when he called all the men of Israel out to meet with him three times a year in Exodus chapter 34, verses 23 and 34, 23 and uh, 24, it says, I want all the males in Israel to come to meet with your Elohim, who is your Jehovah, who is simultaneously your Adonai. He says, All three of those names in those two verses I am the power, I am the relationship and I am your boss. And he said, if I can get all the men to come under my authority, then you won't have to worry about your families. You won't have to worry about the stability of your land. No man will even covet if I can get your undivided attention to meet with your Elohim, Jehovah, and Adonai. There are almost 100 names for God in the Old Testament because he's got a name for any situation you happen to be in. He wants to reveal some unique character of his nature. And so we are to derive our name from his name. And he says, and I want to pray. And the essence of his prayer for Ephesus and my prayer for Strong Tower is that you might experience his spiritual power. But he says to experience his spiritual power, you're going to have to expand your spiritual capacity. And in order to experience spiritual power, having expanded your spiritual capacity, you must increase your spiritual intimacy. Or let's say it another way. The more intimacy you have, the more capacity you will expand. 
the more intimacy you have, leading to the more capacity that you expand, will lead to more power that you experience. You can come to church and not experience his power. People do it every Sunday in churches all around the land. They are religious, but they don't see God show up. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and folk who come there find themselves in a safe place. He says, I pray, verse 16, that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He says, I am praying that Christ dwells among you. The word dwell is a Greek word that means to make oneself at home. Many of us have welcome signs as we enter our homes or as sitting outside of the door and it said it says welcome that means that means you're happy that I've come in that, that's at least what it's supposed to mean it's supposed to mean uh, you're delighted I showed up you I saw the mat it said I was welcome <laughs> but usually after we cross the mat that's when we hit the lie because what we say when people come into our house is, make yourself at home. What we mean is, make yourself at room. The room I lead you to. You can go to the den, you can go to the kitchen, you can go to the restroom. You can't be going all up in my closet and in my bedroom. You, you, can't, you, can't, be, you can't be just wandering all over my house. I ain't clean the whole thing. I just clean the spot. The Greek word means to make oneself at home. It means that Jesus Christ wants to know he's welcome here. He wants to know that this is not a strange place for him to come. That there are open hearts, open minds, open wills. That this is a place open to God. Because I hope you know that some churches God can't even get in. Because they're not pursuing spiritual intimacy. If Strong Tower in this next season is going to be a great church, not just any church, it will be because the Savior can make himself at home. Pluto is a very cold place. It's cold all the time. If you were to go to Pluto, you would freeze to death the minute that you stepped into the weather because it's so far from the sun that it is one big icicle. They don't call it a planet anymore, but, but, but it's, 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 it's just a frozen place to be. Mercury is a hot place to be. It would burn you up to be on the planet Mercury and the reason why it's on fire is because it's so close to the sun. Pluto is cold. It's a long way away. Uh, 
Mercury is hot. It's so close. Most churches are on earth where it's seasonal. Sometimes hot, sometimes cold, sometimes winter, sometimes summer, because they're always turning. Jesus Christ wants to be where, in a place where there's fire. Where people's hearts burn for him and are set aflame by him. Because when a church is on fire, the Holy Spirit shows up because he is fire. He wants them to experience power, but Paul knows that the church of Ephesus will not experience power unless there is intimacy. Unless what you are about is the relationship and not just the religion. Sometimes when I'm speaking on Sunday morning at our church, I will look out and watch a mother with a newborn baby. And the newborn baby starts to make some noise. And so not to disturb things, she takes out a pacifier and puts it in the baby's mouth to calm the baby down. That's a trick. Because it gives the impression that the mother is giving food and nourishment when she's giving fake. Because that's neither food nor its nourishment. It's to keep you quiet by faking you out. But I have also noticed when babies discover mama trying to get her over on me. And the baby will start pushing the pacifier out of its mouth and say, I'm going to turn this mama out unless you give me something that's real. A lot of churches spend their time pacifying the congregation, giving them fake religion and not the real deal. He says, I want Christ to be able to make himself at home. Intimacy will expand capacity, which will lead to power. I had a problem in my uh, sprinkler system, wasn't working at my house, and wasn't doing right. And so uh, I called the sprinkler guy over, and I said, I don't have any power. I don't have any power in my in, in, in my sprinkler system. So it's the water's not coming on. My my grass is getting brown. There's no life in it. He checked the box and he says, No, you got electricity. You got the power, he says. But then he irritated, frustrated, and exacerbated me. Because he started digging up trenches in my lawn. He started digging up trenches in my, I ain't asking him for all that. I just asked him to come over and give me some power. But he started digging trenches in my lawn. And after about 40 minutes of being evangelically ticked off, he said, I found your problem. He said, you got plenty of power, but your wire is disconnected. They're not touching. And so the power can't get through because the intimacy of the line has been cut. 
Pastor Chris, the most important thing you can do for this flock is create an environment where they become intimate with the Savior. Because intimacy is the prerequisite to capacity and capacity is the prerequisite to power. That's why Jesus said in John 15, abide in me and I will abide in you and whatever you ask, my father will do it because of the intimacy. Abide means to hang out, to loiter. I tell the story, I, there are a couple of ways to drink tea. I drink tea. I like tea more, a little bit more than coffee. And, and uh, uh, some people drink tea, they're dippers. They dip the bag in and out, you know, they dip up and down, up and down. Dipping is a lot of work. You got to do all that. You got to put the spoon under the bag, got to wrap the string around the spoon, and you got to put your finger down. But, you know, dipping can be a lot of work. I'm not a dipper, I'm an abider. I just drop my bag in the water and let it hang. When I let my bag hang in the hot water, the water becomes transformed because of the ongoing intimacy of the bag with the water. I just let it hang out there and a transformation occurs. I was with a guy one day drinking tea. He was dipping and I was abiding. He was dipping and I was abiding. He says, oh, you just leave your bag in there? I, I said, yeah. He says, I can't do that. I said, why can't you do that? He said, because my tea will get too strong. He got the point. We don't need another church where the members dip in and then dip back out. Dip in and dip back out. Jesus is looking for some abiders who come to Strong Tower because of the life there, because of the passion there, because of the intimacy there. He says that he might dwell in the inner man. He says that the Spirit of God might, through his power, dwell in the inner man. You have three parts to you. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. The way it's supposed to work is your spirit is supposed to inform your soul. Your, the, your, your soul is supposed to inform your body. So your body does what your soul says and your soul is supposed to do what your spirit says. So when the spirit is aflame that affects the soul, when the soul becomes ignited because the spirit is aflame, it changes the footsteps and the movement. So if this community of saints becomes spiritually on fire, it will shift everything. When my son Jonathan was playing football and if I couldn't make it to the game, he was with three different NFL teams and when I, when I couldn't make it to the games, I would uh, stay home and watch television and I would sometimes pop some popcorn. Now a lot of people don't know why popcorn pops. So let me tell you why popcorn pops. Every kernel of popcorn has moisture in it. 
Every kernel of popcorn has moisture in it. When you put the popcorn in the microwave, the microwave heats the moisture that's in every kernel of popcorn. When the moisture is heated in every kernel of popcorn, the moisture becomes steam. Steam rises. When the steam begins to rise, it presses against the shell. When the rising steam of the heated moisture presses against the shell and the shell can't take the pressure anymore, you hear pop, 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 pop. What you're hearing is the outside giving way to the expansion taking place on the inside. God wants there to be so much fire in this house that you're going to have to blow out the walls. You're going to have to blow out the rooms because there's so much fire here. Because you have valued intimacy and not merely programs. You've valued intimacy and not merely structure. As wonderful as it is to have your own building, many a couple knows you can have a house and not have a home. Because there's no fire on the premises. He says spiritual intimacy will result in spiritual capacity because he says in verse 18 may ye, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Uh, let me tell you the secret. God will give you personally and you as a church only as much of God as you can handle. Because God's not going to waste God. A little boy one day inadvertently fell into a jar of uh, a canister of molasses. He, he tipped over and fell into it. Stuck out his tongue and discovered where he was. And he said, God, please make my capacity equal to this opportunity. <laughs> when your lips hit a bloom and begin to blow, the bloom begins to expand its capacity because of the intimacy of your lips upon it. It has room for more. The largest body of water in the world is the Pacific Ocean. If you bring a thimble to the Pacific Ocean and dip the thimble in the Pacific, you'll get a thimble worth of Pacific, but that's all you'll get because that's all you brought. Anything else you put onto that thimble becomes a waste because its capacity is limited. If you bring to the Pacific Ocean a glass and dip it in the Pacific Ocean, you will get more than a thimble, but you won't get more than a glass. You will only get what you bring. If you bring a bucket to the Pacific Ocean and fill the bucket, you'll get more than a thimble, more than a glass, but what you won't get is more than a bucket because once that bucket is full, it's finished. If you bring a barrel to the Pacific, you'll get more than a thimble, more than a glass, and more than a bucket, but you won't get more than a barrel because once that barrel is full, it's finished. If you bring a tanker to the Pacific, you'll get more than a thimble, more than a glass, more than a bucket, more than a barrel, but not more than a tanker because once it's full, it's finished. You see, the Pacific can give you as much as you bring, but once you're full, it's finished. So you want to expand what you bring 
so that you can get so much more of God because there is enough God to fill this place. He says that this intimacy will expand your capacity to experience so much more of God. And that's what you want. You don't just want more people, you want more God. Yeah, you'll get more people, but you can put on a show and get people. You can make it an entertainment center and get people. But what good is having people who don't connect with God? All you've done is added problems. He says, no, expand your intimacy. Make this, Pastor Chris, a place where people find God. Paul says, that's my prayer for the church at Ephesus, that there is this intimacy, and then when this intimacy is on fire, there will be this expanded capacity, and when this expanded capacity comes, there will be more power. Because he says in the verse we all know, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. That was written to a church. In fact, the whole book of Ephesians is really about a church. You can apply it to you personally, but it's really about a church. It's really about um, the body experiencing the presence of God, even though it can be applied to individuals. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, but God's power is prejudicial. It's not automatic. He says, according to the power that works in you. God's only going to work for you based on what's working in you. If nothing is working in you, then don't get all excited about him working for you. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. Daniel eleven twenty two says, the people who know their God shall be strong and pull off exploits because of the power working in them. So when you pray and ask God to work for you, God is looking to see what's working in you. Satan will seek to divide the elders. He will seek to divide families. He will seek to break up your unity so that there's nothing working in you so that God's not free to do something for you. But if he's at work in you, he says you can't imagine what he has in store for you. I remember uh, 1981, some years ago, I, I was doing this crusade at Bryce Football Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. There's like 20,000 people out there. It's an outdoor stadium, and we gathered underneath the stadium to have prayer. There was a problem, though, and that was storms were coming in. Storms were coming in, and they were heavy showers. We were in touch with the weather forecasters, and they told us uh, what it, 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 the storm is going to hit right about 7 o'clock in the area where the stadium was, and they told us, don't, you know, you, you, you may not be able to have your event. 
So we all gathered downstairs to pray. To pray. Mostly ministers and a few lay people. The ministers began to pray and all of us prayed safe prayers. You know those prayers in case God doesn't come through for you. You know, safe prayers. After the last person prayed, there was a lady named, there named Linda. Five foot two inch lady. And she said, may I pray? Linda prayed. She stood up and she said, Father, you have told us to win people to Christ. We have spent your resources to do what you ask us to do. You control the weather. They told us we're getting ready to get rained out. But we're only doing what you ask us to do. And it would be a waste of our time, your resources, and this effort for the one who controls the weather not to control it tonight. <laughs> Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, I call on you to overrule the weather that you control. And we claim authority right now. All of the preachers were looking at each other with one eye closed. <laughs> There are 20,000 people there. We walk out on the stage. The sky is beginning to get dark. It's five of seven. We can hear the thunder in the back. The rain is going to be here any minute. The people are getting restless because they know it's supposed to rain. They see it coming. The gentleman comes to the platform at 7 o'clock and he says, we know that it looks like it's going to rain. Just hang here for as long as we can. We'll just go as long as we can, but we know how it looks. A man sitting next to Linda opens up his umbrella Linda pushes it away and says, I don't need it. And then something happened that blew our minds. And I'm not telling you a story I heard. I was there. Bryce Stadium is out here. The stage is where I'm standing. 20,000 people are there. The rain shower begins to pour comes up to the stage and then splits. Half the rain goes around this side of the stadium. The other half goes around that side of the stadium and it came back together on the other side of the stadium. <laughs> Needless to say, everybody was ready to hear the word that night. Because we had just witnessed a miracle 
And the reason we witnessed it is that even though Linda wasn't a preacher, she had more working on the inside than we did so she could get God's attention in a way we couldn't. You see, her intimacy expanded her capacity and her capacity expanded her power. I typically fly American Airlines because Dallas is America's hub. So I can go most anywhere with American Airlines from Dallas. I've accumulated a lot of miles that gives me the privilege of, of, of traveling and getting certain perks if there's room available. One day, I walked up and I said, are there any first-class upgrades available? The agent said, oh, I'm so sorry, there was only one available, and we just gave it to the person as a person's name ahead of you. You know, I carry all these books, and I study on the flight and all of that, so, you know, having room is a premium for me, but, you know. So I started to walk away, and I stopped. I went back. I said, now, the person who signed in front of me, what was their level? Because you can get gold, platinum, you know, executive platinum. She said, oh, I was a gold member. So I reached in my wallet and pulled out my platinum card. Because <laughs> <clears throat> you see, if you're platinum, that means you have had a more intimate relationship with America. <laughs> you have flown with them more. You have spent more time. To stay platinum, you've got to fly at least 50,000 miles a year. Not so with gold. She said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't notice that you were platinum. Your name bumps their name. My intimacy expanded my capacity to exercise my power. And I must confess, I didn't feel all that bad about the person I bumped. At this point, I'm smelling myself. But behind me comes up another guy. And he comes up, he gives his name, and he pulls out an executive platinum card. Now, to be executive platinum, you got to fly 100,000 miles a year. So you have a greater intimacy, which has expanded a greater capacity to receive more power, so I got bumped. Because what goes around comes around. <laughs> so I get bumped because I didn't have the same level of intimacy with American Airlines than he had. But not to be outdone. I went over and picked up the telephone and called back to Dallas. Because I had a lady in my church who was over special services. <laughs> special services handles VIPs. It handles the entertainers. It handles the senators and the Congress people who come on. It handles VIPs. I told her my dilemma. I called her name. She says, go back to the gate. I went back to the gate. When I got back to the gate, the phone rang. It was the lady of special services who I had a relationship with. 
she's a member of my congregation and she called the gate and because special services overrules all the club statuses, they bumped everybody so that I could get that seat. You see, my intimacy with somebody I knew expanded my capacity, which gave me power to overrule my situation. Pastor Chris, if this becomes an intimate church, it will become one with expanded capacity and you'll see God show up with his power. You'll see what God can do. When my children were small, we would jump in the car and go on vacation. Typically, that meant going to Baltimore to see my folks and let my children spend time with their grandparents. One year, we decided to keep going, and we would go to Niagara Falls. Go to Niagara Falls. Never been there. Niagara Falls has two sides to it. There's the American side and the Canadian side. Well, we were booked on the Canadian side. So we went to the Canadian side, arrived there at night, went into the hotel room. When we got settled in the hotel room, I pulled back the curtains and way out in the distance, I could see Niagara Falls. And I went, because it's lit at night and it was way out there, but even way out there, it was impressive. I went, wow, ooh, look at this. Couldn't hear anything, could see a little bit, but it was way out, but even way out, it was impressive. Next morning, we got up, had breakfast. It was time to go to the fall. On the Canadian side of the fall is a park. When we were at the park at the falls, in a hotel room, it was wow. At the park, it was whoa. Because now you could hear the water coming across the precipice, thundering down into the basin, and the wind would blow trickles of water across the street to dot your face. From the hotel room, I was impressed with the fall, but I was not affected by it. But once I hit the park, I was not only impressed, I was impressed and affected because now I could hear it and could be touched by it. Oh, but there's another way you see the falls. It's called the Maid of the Mist. These are little boats that are in the basin and they take you right up underneath the falls. Now when they do, they're going to give you a raincoat and an umbrella because you're getting ready to get drenched. Some people see Jesus from their hotel room. He's way out there. They never hear his voice. They're impressed with him enough to come to church, but they, they, they are unaffected by him. Some people see Jesus from the park. They get little dabs every now and then. They hear a little something when the sermon is preached. Pastor Chris, your job 
along with the elders and the support of this fabulous spiritual family, is to get the folk to get in the boat. You make sure when they get in there, they got their raincoat and their umbrella because you want to drench them with the glory of God and the person of Jesus Christ. You do not want a congregation who observes from the hotel room or are satisfied with a little drop here and there. You want the glory of God to drench this house with his presence. My prayer is simply Paul's prayer. That your spiritual power will be the natural outgrowth of your spiritual capacity, which will be the natural outgrowth of your spiritual intimacy. Because Paul prays. If you become more intimate, you'll have more capacity. When you have more capacity, you'll experience more power. God bless this man, this wife, these leaders, this congregation in this house that the power of God might be gloriously manifested in their midst. In Jesus' name, amen. that the Lord has for us. We consider this facility tonight dedicated in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can somebody give God some praise? Amen. 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 So go ahead and grab hands with someone next to you. I'm going to ask Dr. Evans to close us out in prayer. He has a meeting he must go to tonight. He can't stay long shaking hands. Um, the guy's going to take him to where he needs to go. But uh, before, let, let the hands go. Let's thank God for this man of God coming to this place. y'all can grab hands with one another. Let me get your wife to join you here. Can the Sister Williamson to come? I want to dedicate on three levels. 
I want this prayer as a dedication to your pastor and his wife who've been handed the primary role of leading this flock in the will of God. So the closer they are to God, the closer you'll be to God as they lead you in God's way. And then praying for the leaders, those who've been called to hold his hands up, that they will lead well, leaders leading well. And then thirdly for the congregation, that you will find your intimacy expanded, your capacity expanded, and your power expanded in this place. Shall we pray? Father, I pray for Pastor Chris, his lovely wife, Darina. We thank you for the Williamson household. We thank you for their love for you, their love for each other. In a day when families are falling apart, even families of our leaders, thank you that this family stays strong and holds the bloodstained banner high. Thank you that they love you, want to serve you. During the dark moments, may they remember you and may you be the lifter of their heads. When they face the trials of life, family, and ministry, may the reservoir be so deep and the well be so full that they'll be able to draw upon it. May you fill this house with his spirit that you've given him and may it pass to the leadership. You, says, you said in Numbers 11, you gave Moses the word and then you raised up leaders and you gave them his spirit. So may the spirit that comes from this man, this family, bleed down into the leadership of elders and deacons and deaconesses, all who have staff responsibility. May they be on one accord. May they be headed in the same direction different position, same goal line. I pray for that. And then for this body, may everyone find a place to serve. May they not simply sit soak and sour, but may they say, how do my gifts, skills, time, and treasure add to the expansion of this ministry? Blow out the walls of this house. May one service soon be too little for the expansion of this ministry that gets out so that as tiring as it is, they will have to go to double services in order to have quality ministry for everybody who wants to come through these doors. But may the thing that draw people through these doors be the fire. Because everybody's drawn to a fire. May your fire inhabit this place. From pastor to pew pew, pulpit to pew. May the glory of God be made manifest in this house pastor, pastor's wife, leaders, congregation. And may they be as one. And may it be said in this area of Tennessee, there is a lighthouse for everybody who's lost their way. And we'll give you the glory in this dedication of this temple and all who inhabit it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen and amen and amen. All right. Well, you well, you are dismissed.